Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. It's Dan Mordup here, as always, with a special guest, Mr. Richard Gamble. And uh, when you hear about uh, what he's doing up at the moment, he, he's living up to his name in every way. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant uh, project with, with, a, with a guy who's got an incredible background. And Richard is the visionary behind the Colossal Project, which is to build an eternal wall of answered prayer. I mean, it already sounds amazing, right? Having the idea in 2004, he felt the go-ahead to launch in 2015. And there's a whole leadership principle there, I'm sure. And for the past five years, Richard has shared this incredible concept all around the UK, rallying people behind the belief that one's individual answer prayer can be another person's hope. And um, after becoming a Christian in 1990, Richard studied at Bible College and then worked for British Gas before leaving the big corporate world to make his mark in entrepreneurship co-founding both a software business and a marketing consultancy. So we lots we could talk about there. With a keen love of football, he also became the CEO of Sports Chaplaincy UK and was former chaplain of Leicester City Football Club. Before the famous Wonder Premiership, it says here, Richard lives in Leicestershire and is married with three children. So welcome, Richard. Hey, hello there. Great to have you. And just Richard, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your leadership life looks like. Yeah. Um... Yeah, 52, losing hair, gaining weight, uh, beautiful wife, three kids. Um, my my leadership life, I suppose, uh, it's quite interesting at the moment because with the Project Eternal Wall, they're, they're interviewing people and saying, hey, what's it like to work with Richard? And that's, uh, that's a very humbling experience, I can tell you. And uh, I'm working with this marketing strategist who described me as being... Um, both confused and utterly focused. Which, <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I loved. It. I sort of loved that. And he, I, I'm. He he said uh, he said Richard has more ideas in twenty minutes than most people have in twenty years. <laughs> right. And and so I'm that sort of style. I've always got things going on in my head. And um, but you know, I'll be pretty ruthless to make sure that we can we can get them over the line. And and. Uh, and that's where the, the focus bit comes in to, to really sort of drive things forward, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, fantastic. So so you know, I've I've learned over the years to sort of manage my mind, if you like, because um, I've read a great book. I'm trying to remember what it's called now. Something it was it was about time management, but it was basically saying for creative people, you know, if you if you do something with the idea immediately whatever it is then you create more creative space in your brain to keep thinking up more ideas so whenever I have an idea I make sure I either write it down or I phone my PA she just knows to leave it on voicemail sometimes <laughs> just to download it and then I can revisit it, but it keeps my brain my brain clear. Fantastic! That's a brilliant principle right there already. And Richard, we do know we've got so much to talk about, but just you know, we're we're coming out of the pandemic, thankfully, and slowly getting back to to kind of you know whatever a new normal looks like. But you know, how was how was sort of twenty twenty for you? 
both personally and in terms of what you're up to? How did you manage to navigate through that season? Yeah, well, obviously it was interesting. I, I think the, the whole project for me has been about momentum and and trying to create this tipping point, which I believe we're over on now, of, of unstoppable momentum and, and trying to do that in a global pandemic and an economic crisis is not the easiest thing in the world. Right. Um, but I think for me, I probably just upped a few gears and just worked even harder. It was very interesting talking to a number of Christian entrepreneurs at the time, and they just like kicked in. They were you, you could tell they were like, right, here's the challenge, let's let's go. And and I was a bit like that really. And so we we worked the team really hard. We pushed and pushed and pushed. And and our our aim really was to by by the end of 2020 get planning permission. Right. And and be in a be in a position to to start the next phase for the building process. And that's what we managed to pull off, which was incredible. And, um, you know, just some crazy stories in that. So, you know, I can't take too much, too much credit, but I'll just tell you a crazy one where we sat down after we got our planning permission and, and this, this advisor was looking at our charity and about to make a, a large seven figure donation. And he wanted to look at, how we were set up and he said look you're, you're missing a you're missing a construction guy to fight your battles and I was like no 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 we're all subbing that out and he said no 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 you need somebody internally part of your core team and I was thinking well chuff how am I gonna how am I gonna do that with the money we've got you know <laughs> and um we talked about it a bit more and then we talked well maybe it's a volunteer but you're talking about a volunteer with really good current construction experience and then I said, well, I really want them to be a Christian. And they sort of laughed in the meeting and they went, Rich, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. If you want right. a Christian, you're looking for a yellow needle in a haystack. And I said, well, man, I, I, said, I said, I've been doing this now seven years. We just pray when we need something. And so they carried on yabbing in the meeting and uh, I just prayed. And in my head, I'm just like, Lord Jesus, please just help me find this person. 30 minutes later, a guy is driving in his car. He turns on the radio. He hears a news report about eternal war. And he feels the Holy Spirit say, you need to get involved. He is a senior project manager, construction manager, building the Commonwealth Games Stadium. He emails his directors and says, I want to get involved with these guys, but they've got no money. And they've said, that's fine. You can take an assistant and volunteer for free. Wow. And and that's why in all that we talk about, you know, I've got to be honest, you know, we're doing it because God is just being phenomenal and bailing us out on a regular basis, even when I don't know what we need, you know. <laughs> that's brilliant. Absolutely. How encouraging is that? That is absolutely fantastic. And we were talking just before, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get on to this, I'm sure, later on, but you were just sharing even before the recording, just you know, the miracle after miracle, how, how God's, you know, gone before you and paved the way. And, and you know, when we get onto the, the size of this project later on, 
it's just an incredible testimony. But taking a step back, you know, just, you know, looking at your life before this project, and I'm, I'm sure if you can remember a life before this project, you, know, <laughs> you have had a really interesting career, you know, from corporate world to chaplaincy to entrepreneur. There's, you know, you've kind of done it all, you know, then you end up here. So, I mean, without, you know, going through everything, tell us about yeah. a little bit about that journey, because a lot of people, you know, they get kind of stuck in one track. You know, I've been doing this my whole life or I've been, I've always been in ministry. I've always been in leadership. You've, yeah. you seem to have done a lot. So how did that all well, end Well, yeah, I, I suppose if I was being interviewed, somebody had my CV in front of me thinking right. this bloke's not going to last it with me, is it? <laughs> because I get to sort of three years in and I just get bored. I think right. that's part of it. I was in the a sort of corporate world, British Gas, and pretty early on I sort of thought this, this is not going to work for the way my brain works. I like to make decisions quickly. I like to... Know, go for it. Um, I sort of had a, a a passion and a desire to lead the church, and and I I did that, and I was rubbish. And <laughs> and but I think the the thing is, I, I sort of set myself a goal at the start of the year, so I was planting a church, and we planted it, and it was okay, but it wasn't amazing. And I just thought I want to be amazing at what I do. And and so after a year, I just sat down with the senior pastor and went, I'm done. We've right. not grown enough. And he was like, no, no, we've grown spiritually and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, 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 we have not grown enough. I'm done. And and um, so so then, then I sort of started a marketing consultancy company, started a software business. And, and all the time, you know, just trying to be creative, I guess. Um, but I think there's also... A, a point for me where uh, and then and then as you say I went on to do to do the chaplaincy and run the chaplaincy charity but one of the things for my wife and I is we try and be really quick when we believe God's made said something to us right and so we try and hold everything lightly so if God says you're done there time to move on we don't hang about the danger is at that moment that you start going through all the detail. And you think, yeah, but what about this? I'm going to pay the bills. But actually what we've learned is no jump leap. Wow. If God's told you to do it, just do it. And so that's part of the reason why we've jumped about really, you know, as in I had my software business and uh, this sort of senior gentleman from the church sort of summoned me to his house and as I walked into his house, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, he's going to tell you to give up the business. And I sat down and he went, you need to give up the business. You need to do chaplaincy. And so oh. I just phoned my business partner up and went, mate, I'm done. So I think, I think it's just that swiftness. That drives some people mad, of course. But um, I do believe holding it lightly is, is really important. That's really interesting. And uh, yeah, and there's, a, there's, you know, that's a great leadership principle there. And you obviously don't have a problem making decisions. But talking <laughs> of talking of chaplaincy, that kind of leads us quite nicely into what I wanted to ask you next, because that's a whole different environment because you weren't, you know, you're a chaplain of a of a football club in, in the city where you live. And, you know, we were talking again before the recording, you and I both went to Leicester, University of Leicester. Did the economics, proper the yeah. proper one, yeah, indeed, did economics. Um, I did business economics, you did economics. But then you ended up being a chaplain of the of Leicester City Football Club. So how did that come about? And t- that must have been interesting. It must have been different. 
you know, straight from kind of corporate world and entrepreneurialism into... Yeah, it came from a divine appointment, just bumping into somebody right. who was the chaplain. He emailed me a few days later saying he's looking for a replacement immediately. I knew God saying, you're the man for the job. It was a, it was so different. And, and again, you know, might be arguable whether I did a great job at it, but, I, you know, when you're, when you're leading a business, you've got people who, you know, do what you ask them to do. When you go in as a chaplain, as a football club, you're, you're below the ladder of relevance. Right. You know, it's a performance-focused, a, a macho performance-focused environment, and you're there just to listen to them and help them. And so the, the, the structure, if you like, they don't really get that. They don't really get why you're there. Some people do get why you're there, but they don't want you to be there. And, um, and so it was tough. And, and my natural reaction is to be, this is a football phrase, busy. He's, he's a busy person. So I was trying to find solutions and help. But actually what I needed to do was just chill out and just walk about get to know people and let them come to me at, at their own at their own time so um you know i like to think you know i helped a few people while i was there i mean it's obviously all confidential um but it was a it was a very interesting environment in the sense that i don't think i'd been anywhere before where if people didn't like what you do they told you that they didn't right. mess about you know, it was pretty brutal and uh, and pretty and pretty tough in that respect. Um, but it was a good gig. It was a good good learning experience. And I think there are now something like six hundred chaplains in professional sport. Really? Um, yeah. And 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 Warren Evans, who's my successor, had done a done a fantastic job at Sports Chaplaincy UK and sort of providing support for mental well being. And, and providing spiritual support. And it, the chaplains vary. Different chaplains do different things at different clubs. But I think it's a really valuable resource for the world of sport to Fantastic. deal with somebody who's more interested in you as a person than you as your performance. Right. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Excellent. And that kind of, you know, just sort of take, you know, you can already get the flavor for the entrepreneur that you are, the go-getter, decision maker. And then we come on to this incredible project, the eternal wall of answer prayer. Now, tell us all, for those that haven't heard about it, as I said to you before, I've heard, I'd heard about it, I read about it in the Times. And I was like, this is off, off, off the hook, off the chart. This is. <laughs> You know, yeah. So for those that haven't heard about it, just just give us a starter for ten. What's it all about? So the so the idea is to build a, a, a national landmark uh, on the outskirts of Birmingham, where uh, it's a an architectural sculpture, a bit like the Angel of the North, uh, in in terms of the the principle. Um, it's a Mobius strip, so like it's an infinity loop, which is made up of a million bricks. And every brick, it towers like 50 metres into the skyline. So that's sort of two Angel of the Norths on top of each other. Um, and every single brick in the sculpture will represent the story of answered prayer. So the concept is using some state-of-the-art technology, you'll be able to point your phone at any part of the structure and your phone will light up and tell you the story of answered prayer that that brick 
represents. Or you'll be able to type in, I don't know, COVID and be able to, the, the app will then show you all the different places on the wall where there are bricks about about COVID and answer prayer. So the, the idea is really to, to make hope visible, to tell this nation that Jesus is alive, that he listens and he answers prayer. We'll, we plan to, um, uh, we're starting building in a few months, we'll finish in 22, and we hope to have about 200,000 answer prayers in place by then. And then the rest of the million will come in over time and we'll light it up. So as you're driving along the M6 or the M42, you'll see this thing lit up but growing. And again, that's trying to communicate that Jesus is alive and listening. And we're trying to provoke a conversation for the nation to, to consider whether prayer should be part of their life. So, so that's the dream. I felt God gave me the vision for that about 17 years ago been rattling around my head for 10 and then uh you know been giving it my all for the last seven years wow that's incredible and i know that we're going to talk a little bit about later about how people can get involved but i know that you've kind of done a couple of you know campaigns and and, and sort of really because i suppose one of your first audiences has got to be to rally the christian community you know yeah we're, we're hard enough to rally let alone <laughs> getting the, the councils on board and getting the rest of the construction I struggle team. to rally my own house exactly i hear you um and you said so a couple of campaigns done recently been the answer prayer challenge and make hope visible and to tell us a little bit about those campaigns well we were i suppose that you know there's the um let me give you a bit of background. I, th- I think sometimes I meet um, Christians who are running charities and really what they're doing is trying to keep raise money to keep going. Right. And you sort of think, oh, actually, most of your time is spent raising the money to keep doing what you're doing. You know, and I've, I've you know, I, I know one charity where, where their people spend 80% raising the money and 20% doing the thing. And you think, well, that can't be right. Right. Now, obviously, I've got to raise a shed load of money. But, you know, that scripture, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given unto you. And and our, our passion is to make hope visible, to share stories of answer prayer. So we decided, look, let's not put the eternal wall tag on it or anything, but let's just encourage people to share an answer prayer on social media, tag in three other people and get them. And let's see how far we get with it. So we did that for the first time this year. We'll we'll do it every year now, I believe. But we we estimated about four million people had a story of hope in their social media feed in January. And that just like, and that's just with sharing a few hundred stories. So I'm like, man, what's it going to be like with a million, you know? What's wow. it going to be like? And, and you know, the dream is that somebody going through a storm of life will be able to sort of go onto a database online or come and visit and they'll type in their storm of situation and they'll be able to see a story, somebody else's story, who's been in the same situation as them and how they've called on the God who answers. Wow. 
Isn't that incredible? And and like you know, the, for those listening to this right now, you're sitting there thinking, "Isn't that a beautiful dream? And isn't that wonderful?" And it is incredible. You know, you kind of, you know, you can just hear the mission and how clear the vision and the mission is. But then with a near near mile project of this scale, let's be honest, you know, yeah. it kind of it can't be without its significant challenges. And so, what have been some of those big hurdles so far? Because that's also part of the testament, isn't it? That's also part of you know, God's answer to prayer in your life and in your team's life. And so yeah. what have some of those hurdles been? And, 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 you know, what can you see coming up if people want that? No pun intended, but people want to pray for you. Yeah. What some yeah. Of those hurdles coming up that people can pray for. Yeah. I, the biggest is credibility. Right. You know, you, you start off, I mean, goodness knows how I managed to do this, Dan, other than the favour of God. But we start off with a crowdfunding launched on BBC Radio 2. Wow. I have no idea how they how they got me on that show. And I'm I'm standing, you know, I'm there basically saying to people, hey, here's a great idea. Can you back it financially? Oh, by the way, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it's gonna be. <laughs> you know, and and so all the time I've been trying to squeeze that credibility gap. And and it's been really interesting because you have you have significant hurdles on there. I was um I did a parliamentary reception and it's weird what goes through your head and they're firing all these questions at me and and I'm I'm sit I'm standing there and I'm thinking oh my word I'm being grilled by MPs here <laughs> and this little voice in the head goes you got no land and you got five pound in the bank this is a you're in fantasy mate you know wow. and uh and we my wife and I, we were praying for land because obviously that's a big hurdle. And um, we went over, we were invited to a church uh, in California and we just went over there to chill, just a retreat. Nobody knew who we were. We were just praying. And then this woman came up and she said, oh, I've got a word from God for you. He wants you to know that he's got some heavenly land prepared for you. And you're like, wow. Amazing. And uh, so we then... Uh, I, we have a team of people praying for us. So I emailed them back and go, hey, listen to this, listen to this word. And this one lady says, well, and I was about to pay a company to search across the UK for land. And this lady said, well, if God's told us he's got the land, I'll just ask him where it is. <laughs> she was like, that'll save a whole lot of money. So I'm like, yeah, all right then. So off she goes to pray. And then she comes back and sends me a map and uh, circles circles this piece of land. And what she didn't know was the person who owned that land two weeks previously had asked to meet with me. Wow. And I meet with this guy who's poker-faced. I'm giving him the whole vision. And then he tells me at the end of the meeting, so I'd had the vision for this 17 years ago. He tells me at the end of the meeting, 17 and a half years ago, he felt God tell him that he needed to, build a national landmark about Jesus and to set up a trust fund. No. How cool is that? Wow. So, so I did, but then I didn't tell him about the lady circling the land because, because I felt like that would almost be like spiritual manipulation, you know? Right. He goes away, he comes back, he says, I decided to give you a land, some land, not the piece that this woman had circled, but I'm like, happy days. I've got a piece of land, you know? And uh, we worked on this land, didn't work. 
six months later, get a phone call from him saying, I'm really sorry, I can't give you that land anymore. I've got another piece for you. We work on that land. Six months later, get another call. I'm tearing the hair out now. He's going, yeah, we can't use that land. Then he pays an architect to look at all his portfolio. And then his architect comes back with, this is the best piece of land for them, which was the piece of land this woman has circled That's two years good. ago. <laughs> and, if, and if you're not sure whether God's in this, uh, <laughs> we were then on the land. I don't know if you've heard of the What Free Words app. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with sort of details a piece of land. And we're on the land and... Um, one of the people with us, with BBC, were filming it, actually, at the time. And she said, oh, I wonder what the what three words are. And I went, I don't know. She got the app out. And where we were standing, the what three words were, occupy lands, congratulations. No way. How mad is that? So so I think, you know, we have, <laughs> we have loads of hurdles. We have a continual stream of impossibilities. But But what I do is I just... I remember what God has done to get us this far and know he's definitely on the case. And all I have to do is just try and connect and, and, and be patient and, and wait for him to do his bit. What an amazing story. How incredible is that? I mean, this is, this is Nehemiah in 2020 and 2021, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. So, and, and, you know, I know that, you know, you, you're kind of getting to a key stage in the project now both in terms of, you know, you've got the planning permission, you know, yeah. you've got the land, you've kind of broken the back of, as you said, there's a kind of a tipping point. So, and I know you've got the website live and everything like that as well. So how can people get involved in this project? I mean, you know, this is incredible. Yeah, well, we are, we are really close now. We're going we're gonna to build the road in September. We've had a, a large donation to pay for that. We've had a donation to pay for the foundations. Um, we need finance now not to be too blunt about it. Yep. Um, and, and we need to raise, we're hoping that we can find 60,000 people to donate £72. And, and that, with the trust fund money that's coming in, will get us over the line. So um, the first bit that people can help is just go by to the website, eternalwall.org.uk, and, and help with that. That would be terrific. The most surprising thing that I've found in this whole journey, though, and it, and it still stuns me to this day, it is easier to get money off people than it is to get their story of answer prayer. And, right. and so uh, there are multiple reasons for that, I think. But, but one is, you know, we live in a culture, in, a, in, the, in an English culture where we're, we're very understated, if I was in America, we'd be banging it, you true, know. True. But I think, but God's asked us to do it in this country, which is interesting. And and there's so many scriptures about proclaiming His deeds and announcing His marvelous acts. And so, one of the ways that you can really, really help us is by telling us a story of what God's done in your life. And it may be a small thing, it may be a salvation story, it may be a big one. I I don't know. It may even be a story of something that you've prayed and the answer's been no, and you share with us how God's helped you through that process because right. we all have those in our lives. But again, go to the website, eternalwall.org.uk, and let us hear your story because the amazing thing about this project is that long after we're gone and we're dust in the ground, somebody will, 
I mean, who knows whether it'll be a phone, it'll probably be a Google Glasses <laughs> or something like that. But somebody is going to read your story of answered prayer and, and that is going to lead them to Christ. And, Fantastic. you know, what a wonderful way of fulfilling the scripture of Deuteronomy 4, 4 verse 9, where it says, don't forget what your eyes have seen. Don't let it fade from your heart or your memory and pass it down to your children and their children's children. It's a great way for us to do that in the nation of the UK. Brilliant. Spot on. So fantastic. So get to the website and uh, get involved. Absolutely. Now, on top of all of this, I understand you've written a book as well. Yeah, just like, keep busy. Just, yeah, in your spare time as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, Tell us a I bit about a, that. <laughs> I met a publisher and he said uh, a couple of years ago, he goes, I don't understand, Rich, why you'd want to write a book while you're trying to build a national landmark. <laughs> and I, and at the time I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. And then, you know, when I'm writing the thing, I'm like, I finally understand what he means <laughs> there. But yeah, I've written a book called Remember. And I suppose remember is it's not about eternal war but it but it is really the reason that we're doing what we're doing it is about um restoring the the lost tradition of remembrance i think as a western church we've forgotten how to remember right and we live in a culture as well with google and everything where we we mentally don't need to remember things and that is actually influencing the church but if you look in the scriptures, it is filled, absolutely filled with, with God encouraging us to remember the things that he's done because it helps to recalibrate our minds. That's right. And, um, you know, I, this year, probably more than ever, you know, I've seen that, that when, when facts cause truth to, like, retreat, then that's when anxiety kicks in. Right. And we've been in, inundated with facts, haven't we, through social media and news briefings. And that's not to say that they're not true. I, I'm, not, I'm not going down that line. But there's a difference between fact and truth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, the truth is God loves us. He's got the best for us. And, and one of the things that I do, so, you know, just to be frank, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bigging up this project like we're all doing fantastic. You know, a month ago, I'm sobbing at my desk. Wow. And I'm going, God, I just can't do this. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, just a day where I had a barrage of people saying, no, bad news after bad news. My, my right-hand man gets rushed to, to uh, A&E with a suspected stroke. I mean, it was, it wow. was a tough day. And, but what I did, was I stopped myself and went, right, Rich, come on, remember. Remember what God's done. Remember the story about the land. Remember the story about the yellow needle in a haystack. Remember the story about five minutes to go before you needed the money to pay for all the wages in a month and the money dropped in. You know, we've got so many stories like that. And what that does is it, it takes your mind away from the facts your, your spirit, your soul is focused on the truth of who God is, who he is to you, and it just empowers you to go forward. And um, so I've, Love that. I've banged that in a book. It's not the most theologically deep book you're ever going <laughs> to read, but um, I think it is filled with stories of answered prayer, and, and I hope those who, who, who have a look at that will be really inspired. 
fantastic. I love that. Absolutely brilliant. And can you buy that on the website as well? Uh, you can buy that on the website. You can go on Amazon or right. wherever. Just, you know. Brilliant. Fantastic. Love that. I mean, there's so much there we could pick up on. That kind of segues me nicely, and maybe you've already answered this question, but I want to just drill in for a few minutes about sort of your leadership journey and kind of some of those keys that God's given you. I mean, like, you know, you've already just shared quite openly there, you know, we have up times, down times, things, times of things go well and things don't go well. And, you know, you're, you, you're involved in such a big project, but what are some of those keys that keep you going on the inside, those leadership keys that yeah. keep you focused and keep you going? Why haven't you given up, you know? Somebody asked me that recently. She said, she said, what, you know, what what keeps you going? And I said, well, lack of options, really. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like God's told me to do it and he hadn't told me to do anything else. So there right. we are. But but um I think my 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 wife is really important to me. And and one of the things that I've learned over the last seven years and probably didn't learn it when I was running my software business is I'm I'm full of energy. I'm like a racehorse and I just like go at it, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm super energy and then I crash and I'm gone for a day and I can't even think, I can't even say a word. And I don't know whether you relate to that, but I do. (laughs) But but one of the things I've learned is that is not a great way of living. Right. True. And that is, and that is not a great way for the people around you to live because they won't go at the same pace. So probably the biggest lesson I've learned in the last 12 months through lockdown has been pace and and has been making sure that I look after myself well enough and pace myself so that I'm not having those those highs and lows those 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 crash and burn moments practically that that looks really really simple thing that i've brought into my way of working is to just have 30 minutes in the morning not not quiet time i don't mean prayer and stuff like that but i will go and have a coffee and that's it i'll just think and i won't do anything and and I find that so valuable. I come up with so much good stuff in that time. But some days I come up with nothing, and that's okay too. And and that pacing I've found to be really valuable, and I think it's going to enable me to, to keep going a lot longer. You know, that is such a vital key leadership principle for people that are in senior positions that are pioneering and and you know what i've heard that a few times from different people that some people have had to learn how to speed up during the season because actually god's saying to them accelerate move into the right time to step up and for a lot of us it's been slow down and realign your whole self around jesus and around the kingdom not just my work and my home and it's very easy for entrepreneurs to kind of you know like us to be 100 there's only one speed and it's you know it's top speed you know and yeah. i think learning you know learning those rhythms of grace is such a, a, yeah. a real key leadership trait we have a thing in our office called the costa moment right and and it relates to a time when a, one of our crowdfundings we were trying to raise 150 grand and we were way off target. 
and we sat down, myself and my right-hand man, and I said to him, I went, Dave, we've done all we can do. We've done all we can do. Right. We need to just sit back and let God do what he wants to do now. So we call that the Costa moment. And I think there's a great temptation for leaders and entrepreneurs at that moment to go, right, I'm going to do more. And it's it's knowing when to go. No, I need to I need to, in my heart heart say God, I've done all I can. Because if we don't, you start moving into stress. You start moving yep. into striving, and it starts getting a bit ugly. To be honest, yeah. And and you know we we regularly have that moment in the office where I go, hey guys, it's a Costa moment. We've done all we can do. And if you and if you then agree, the response is not my responsibility. It takes the pressure off big style. Well, we're going to crowdfunding in September next this year. Probably be one of the biggest Christian crowdfunders that's happened, definitely in the UK. But there'll be a point where we go. I don't know whether we're going to succeed or fail. But all we can say is, God, we've done all we can. We're praying, we're calling on you, over to you. That's great. And, and every entrepreneur listening to this podcast will, re- will resonate and relate to that, that very moment. Because that is, it's like a definitive moment, isn't it? It does become like a, you know, you almost get this kind of sense of, you know, this is the moment, I can't do anymore. And it either comes out of stress or anxiety, or it just comes out of, I've done everything I can and I literally can do yeah. no more. And I think that's often when faith kicks in, isn't it? Now it's that, that point, do you get out of the boat almost? You know, entrepreneurs yeah. are quite good at sailing the boat and rowing the boat. <laughs> and I'm going to make this boat into a sailing ship. And at some point you've got to just say, right, I'm getting out of the boat. I'm going to walk on faith now. I can no longer row this thing. So I yeah. love that. And the other thing I wanted to quickly say is my wife listens to these podcasts. And so I just wanted to say my wife is extremely important to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> and she would be a leadership key if people were asking me. I just thought I'd say that for brownie points. Oh, but, um... Good man. Good man. Well, I'll, I'll get you in trouble now because the other thing that I've learned is to have half an hour with my wife every day and have a cup of coffee. Okay, I'm going to delete that from the recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that is uh, the edit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that won't make it public. No, I'm joking. It will. That's fantastic. No, that's brilliant. Just so, Rich, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, you, you've worked in so many different leadership environments. You've seen it from so many different perspectives. What kind of leaders do you look up to or, or who have you learned from? You know, who would you sort of get some, you know, some of that, that thinking and that framework from? Yeah, I've, I've tried to... Um... I've tried to throughout my career just um, whenever I meet somebody, find out from them a little nugget. I just, you know, when I meet a good leader, I go, come on, mate, tell me what you've learned. Right. Because they've always got a good lesson. Yeah, And true. if you can pick those up on the way. So it's not like I, I particularly look at, you know, specific leaders like that there there aren't any that come to mind that way because i i think everyone should have their own unique style but but what i do do is is like listen to them and go hey that's a good i'll have that i'll nick that one from you and some of the best ones i've got have been from people that nobody will have ever heard of right you know just a toilet roll manufacturer 
what you know give me your top tip i always write down when i've given somebody a job and then i follow it up and then they always learn that if i give them a job i'm always going to follow them up so the job gets done you know little things like that so I suppose um, part of that is if we try and big ourselves up as leaders, you, you're not prepared to ask those questions or look an idiot. And I just, I, I'm sort of done with all of that. I'm, I'm quite happy to look an idiot every day, really. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I, I will always ask people, come on, give me a, give me a top tip. So come on. Over to you. Well, she give me your top tip. There's one thing that you've learned in your. See, I've got to do it, haven't I? <laughs> I had a horrible feeling it was going to go this way. <laughs> top tip. Do you know what? Over the last four to five years, I have been on a massive journey of dealing with disappointment, hurt, and pain. And I think one of the things I've realised is that. Your what God has for you in your future is not defined by your past. If you if you will let yourself be shaped around the cross, Good. if you will let yourself be shaped on Jesus and take your hurts and your disappointments and your pain to Him, and say you've paid for that at the cross, and your future that my future is in your hands. You know my future, my destiny is in your hands, and I think that so often as an entrepreneur. When something goes wrong or as a lead in any environment, when something goes wrong or someone, you know, you have a breaking relationship or someone is it abuses you in whatever sense or, you know, a relationship breaks down, that becomes that becomes not only your point of pain, but that defines your future. Yeah. I think I've realized that your future is not defined by your past. You know, if you let Jesus remold and reshape and rebuild you, you know, and we're always becoming more like Christ, always becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. I think that's that to me has been transformational in the last few years. Um, Very good. The key there is is letting him do that work, isn't exactly it? Exactly that. Because I have met businessmen who have a sob story, and yep. you listen to their sob story, and they're just repeating it over and over again. Exactly, exactly that. And I think the older you get, you you see those repeating patterns in your life. You yeah. kind of go making that same mistake for 10 years or or you look at leadership circles i'm not going to go into so much details and anything i can see the mistakes they're making and i'm not going to let that define me you know i'm going to be defined by christ and christ alone yeah and that's good. really really important and powerful place to come in your life where you're defined by christ and christ alone you know where you know that everything going on the inside as well as what you're doing the outside is being led and guided by him and him alone you know, not by your own ego, your own self on one side or by other people's expectations, you know, on, on the other side. So I think that would be my little nugget for now off the cuff. There you go. Good man. There we go. You can have that one for free. Um, <laughs> so Richard, you know, just no one's ever asked me, by the way. It's, uh, it's the first time we've put on the spot on a podcast. I love it. Um, <laughs> what What is their life after this project? Or is that not even a concept right now? No, it's very much a concept. I, <laughs> I, I, um, I threatened my wife and God that I'm going to go off and be a postman in Scotland. <laughs> That's not what I was, I was expecting. Yeah, and she's like, my wife's like, okay, number one, you're not very good at carrying stuff. Number two, <laughs> you're not good at getting up early in the morning. She said, you won't, you won't last two weeks. And I went, no, but I'll have two weeks. Two weeks will be nice, just posting letters running away from dogs 
but um yeah i i i suppose that there's there's loads of things and and the bottom line is dan there'll be a day when god says to me right you need to walk away now son and then you walk away and say okay what do you want me to do next uh you know he knows the desires of my heart i've got a few cheeky ones in there but um God, that sounds a bit bad, actually. That's not like, you know, I mean, I mean, ridiculously ambitious ones. Um, but I suppose I have learned so many lessons with taking on a project that, to be honest with you, at the beginning, I was laughed at, I was mocked, I was abused, I was, I was banned from speaking in churches about, you know, ridiculous. And, and I would love to have the opportunity to take those lessons and help young men and women who've got crazy dreams to say, do you know what? If that bloke can build a national landmark that defies the laws of engineering when he doesn't even know how to put up a shelf, <laughs> then God can definitely use me for my dream. And, and I hope that I can find people who've got dreams that I can inspire and help. That's fantastic. And I'm sure you will not be short on people that can uh, can glean some of that wisdom, that life experience from you. That's absolutely brilliant. And you mentioned a minute ago, so final question, sort of, you know, kind of things you've learned along the way and, 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 you know, talking about the next generation. But what would you, what's one bit of leadership advice you would give your younger self? If you could look back at yourself 20, 25 years ago, what would you say to yourself? Uh it's quite easy. I'd go, mate, be patient. Right. Chill out. You know, and if I if I look at a lot of the stress and the strain has been when I've been trying to push doors that are just not open to me yet. Right. And if I'd have just concentrated on where the doors were open and just enjoy it and just taken my time with and it's about confidence, I think, that those other doors are eventually going to open. Man, I, I think it would have been an easier ride. You know, the word says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And I think there are many times when I've tried to, like, make the yoke a little bit harder for myself, you know. Right, I can resonate with that, and I'm sure many people can. It's a great answer. Rich, it's been such a pleasure spending this time with you. It's been. Oh, I really uh, enjoyed it, Dan. Thank it's you. It's blown past, hasn't it? I feel like we could have gone on for another couple of hours, but yeah, bless you and what you're doing and, and and everything that you've achieved so far. And we you know we pray and everyone. I, hope, I really hope anyone listening to this podcast pray. This is not a project for you know sort of small a small minded project is going to benefit a few this is going to change a nation this project in in many many ways physically spiritually emotionally and so yeah we just really pray that this project will not only be a success but god will do everything he needs to do in you and through you and through the rest of your team and that you know we'll do the same podcast in five years time and say wow awesome. this is what god has done that'd be great bless you mate thank you so much for spending this time with us thanks very much dan we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.